0: So far we're back on the penalty Box podcast, Will Pesek, Liam Godover here with you. And yes, as we open up the show, you want to friend Liam say Tippett, yes, Dave Tippett will join the Edmonton Oilers as the new head coach. And again, that's one head coach off the board. And now the race for the head coach begins. And teams that find their head coaches they want to get the head coaches done early because the top things are flying off the board. Believe it or not, Tippett. Is a very good coach. He did not have a lot of success in Arizona, but for years of dreadful Arizona team was competitive in a very tricky West Coast, Western Conference uh, league. Uh, So I liked the the hiring. Now they have a new GM, they have a new head coach, they have Conrad David locked up. All they got to do is get rid of the Milan Lucic deal, and this is a good looking Oilers team. They got to find a goalie. Uh, They don't have a goalie. They they thought they were going to find it in, in Camp Talbot. It was there. The first two years were good, but now they need to find a goalie. Whether that comes, I would expect they would make a big push and a guy like Robert Leonard if he makes it that far. He'll, he'll be a lot cheaper than, than a Sergei Babrowski, Bobrovsky. But I think all sides are pointing to Bobrovsky heading to Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think, I Lu- you know, and maybe the Oilers could go after Luongo for a short-term type of deal. They have Stuart Skinner in the system who could potentially be that franchise goalie. But as far as the Oilers go, their main concern right now has to be their goaltending.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, they do have Miro Koskinen, who did play uh, decently well for the Oilers. Not Obviously not good enough to bring them to the playoffs. He's 6'3", he's a tall goaltender, and I believe it was one of the moves before Peter Shirelli got fired in Edmonton, he And, and that was one Koskinen of the reasons why he got deal. fired. Yes, it was. Because a
0: guy that had 20 career NHL games, right. all of a sudden he gets signed in this three-year, $10 million contract, like... What sense does that make? But uh, that move ultimately did get him fired at the it end did. of the day.
1: I mean, Koskinen did, you know, to give him credit, he did have a decent NT year. And he t- will be in a position to fight for that starting job. I don't think he'll, think he'll get it. Cap. I don't think he'll get it either. And I agree with you when I think that uh, Edmonton's goaltender will come out of free agency, whether that's Robin Leonard or Sergey Bobrovsky, if they're willing to pay that price tag. But as far as Dave Tippett, this is a great signing. I think that, you know, if you look at the coaches that were available on the market, you know, at the beginning of free agency, it's really Elaine Vigneault. Who's been taken by the Flyers? Flyers. Joel Quenville who's uh, in Florida now, and now Dave Tippett, who spent, I uh, believe, seven years almost in Dallas, and then, like you said, took a basement uh, Arizona team and really made yeah. them. Didn't get them to the postseason, but made them a fringe contender. They, which for Arizona, he is took a good them sign. from being the worst team in hockey to a respectable non-playoff
0: team. Oh, almost similar to what the Florida Panthers were for for four many years before they had that. Uh, playoff run three years ago. Right. Uh, before you get to the Stanley Cup, I do want to talk about what you just brought up about the Alina Vidio signing of the Philadelphia Flyers and we spoke a little bit of it when he was first hired and we, uh, and we always talk about Coaches that fit the right system, and for a guy like a Vidio he's not really a coach that is wants to inherit a rebuild team, a team that is young. This Flyers team is no longer young anymore. You, you yes, you can make the case about Shane Goss's but you look at who they have. They have Claude Giroux. They have Jacob Voracek. They don't. They don't have Wayne Simmons anymore. But uh, yes, Carter Hart will be young, whether or not he is a starter, which he should be, because they were a completely different team with him as the starting goalie. This is a good position for Alain Vigneault to be in, and I think the Flyers will be a legit playoff threat this year. They have the right coaching, and for and forever, we've we've tried to answer who their goalie will be.
1: I think they have it at Carter Hart. Absolutely, I agree, and I think it one hundred percent for for the Flyers comes down to uh, to coaching, and I think that Alain Vigneault is a really good signing. And I think that Vigneault, like you said, really works well with those veteran players. You look at teams where he had success, you know, in Vancouver when he went to the Stanley Cup final in 2011. You know, the Sedines were heading towards that age where they were reaching veteran status. And, you know, there were players around him that fit that mold like the Flyers did. You look at the Rangers when they took the Rangers to the Cup final in 2014. I could tell you that there was a ton of veterans on that team. From Brad Richards, you know, to Marty St. Louis, you know, there, there was a ton. And Vigneault really did work well. But when the Rangers were beginning to undergo a rebuild, slash retool, that's when Vigneault's flaws really came out, because you're absolutely right when you say that he does not want to coach a rebuilding team, but I don't think that the Flyers are that. I think that the Flyers are a real young They just needed a goalie. They're a real young goaltender who showed brilliant signs last year, and they have veterans that I think Elaine uh, Vigneault is really going to mesh well. You look at Jacob Boracek, Claude Drew, James Van Riemsdyk, who didn't have a a ton of exposure last year, but he needs to get back in the line, needs to get producing. And they look at the back end, too. I mean, people want to talk about the the Carolina hurry. Hurricane's
0: defense, I mean, the Philadelphia Flyers have a very underrated defense. I mean, look at a guy like Ivan Provorov, Shane Gostaspare, Robert Hagg, Radko Gunas, and people want to bury the Flyers right away because of their defense, but believe it or not, this is a good defense. Mm -hmm. And whether or not they will make the playoffs this year is is going to rely on one thing and one thing only. Can they keep the puck out of their own net? And I think a guy like... Alain Vigneault could do that. I think a full year of Carter Hart can do that. Yes, he's going to have his struggles. He's 20 years old as a goalie. He played 20 games last year at the initial level. The league will adjust to Carter Hart. How will he adjust to being adjusted is where the Flyers will stand. And I think it's going to start week one training camp. He's going to have to learn what the teams have done to study him.
1: Right, and you know you look at the Flyers last year, and we saw a game between the Islanders and the Flyers. It was not good. It was not good for you, but uh, I could just tell on the ice that it was a very talented team, yeah. but it was a team without direction, and I could tell that the lack of coaching and the lack of you know driving and, and I I don't know the, the 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 serious lack of coaching on the ice, and it and it really showed in their play. And although that they had the talent, that's yeah. why they beat the Islanders as well as they did. Can you imagine if they had a good system yeah. to go around that? And that's exactly what I envisioned with the Flyers with the. Yeah. And and I think that this is a team with a good coach A Stanley Cup, you know He's been to the Stanley Cup with two different teams now And they're looking for everything You know, to come together And I would not be surprised if it does for the Flyers We'll
0: we'll shift our attention over to the Stanley Cup playoffs Before we get to the Bruins The Carolina Hurricanes, of course, swept the Islanders And we met the Islanders They had a good season And we said for the Hurricanes They were going to have to play defense To keep the Pelican their net Against a very good Bruins team but they did not do that Uh, We saw the difference between the Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes. Why this team was my pick to win the Stanley Cup, you saw it in the Carolina series, and you saw it again in Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, you certainly did. And, you know, as far as Carolina... They were just outmatched by Boston. I just feel like Boston was the far deeper team, and that's how I feel, quite frankly, in the Stanley Cup final with Boston. I feel like that they were the deepest team in the playoffs and the only team that could have matched up well with them in that department would have been San Jose. And that's why you know, I think that the fact that they got the Blues you know, is a little bit concerning for St. Louis. But as far as Carolina, their goaltending didn't come up when they needed it to. I mean, you could say that McElhaney and Mrazic had a decent series, but they gave up way too many grade-A chances to the Boston Bruins, and you simply can't do that. And this, you know, you talk about experience, you know, I think that this really came down to experience, and it really came down to a deeper, better, more experienced team in net and up front and on the back end and it really showed in the four game sweep so Boston looks dominant right
0: now. You look at the Boston Bruins and you compare them to the St. Louis Blues and the Blues were a team I give mean, them you know, as much credit as you want to give them they were a team that was in last place in the beginning of January and when Craig Berube inherited this team I'm sure they had to rise set in the playoffs but I, I, I can guarantee you no one certainly envisioned this for the St. Louis Blues I mean I picked Calgary I picked Nashville I mean those were my picks to go to the Stanley Cup this year out of the Western Conference and even San Jose was thrown in that mix, but St. Louis Blues really came out of nowhere in the second half of the season, and they, they, they're they riding a hot goalie in joining Bennington, but his flaws were exposed in, in game number one. The shot that Charlie McAvoy took should not have gone into the net. Mm -hmm. The first goal by Connor Clifton or Tim Clifton, whoever it was, Connor Clifton, Connor Clifton Mm -hmm. should not have gone into the net. Mm -hmm. There were pucks that he should have stopped, and quite frankly, he should have stopped
1: two of those three goals that were scored. Right. Yeah. And you know, I look at the I believe the last goal was an empty net goal, but the goal before that, it was uh, just a shot in net that Bennington just couldn't handle, and he couldn't Mm -hmm. catch, and it popped out right into the slot, pass over, and then a goal for the Bruins. Sean Corrali sealed it, you know, for Sean Corrali, and that's something that your goaltender cannot do. I mean, certainly it was going to come into question before the series of how Jordan Bennington's experience was going to, you know, play a factor in this series. But hey, I looked at it like Jordan Bennington's experience has been questioned every single step of the way. It's been questioned in his push to the playoffs with the St. Louis. He passed the test. You know, it was tested, you know, in round number one, round number two, and round, you know, number three, and he's passed the test every single time. So what's to say that he won't do that again in the Stanley Cup final? So... Boston is the deeper team, and Boston, you know, maybe the more talented team. But you really need your goaltender to come up big if you're St. Louis, and you need the, you know, full on forecheck, and you need to play the Boston Bruins tough because it's not going to be an easy series.
0: I I don't think there's a doubt on my mind that the Bruins don't win this year. I I I want the Blues to win. Me you too. know, the Blues don't have a Stanley Cup in franchise history. As a fellow Eastern Conference opponent, I do not like the style that Boston plays. I hate the Bruins, but at the end of the day. You, you, you have to go with your gut and what you're feeling, and I I I just can't hear s- s- I I can't sit here and say I want the Blues to win. They're gonna win because I hate the Bruins. I have to be real, yeah. and I I want to see the Blues win, but I think the Bruins are gonna run away with the series, and I'm gonna say the Bruins are gonna win it in five games. Mm. I think game one, if they had any shot at winning the series for St. Louis, game one was a must win, yeah. and you saw they had an early two nothing lead. Nice goal by Tarasenko. I think Schwartz got the first goal. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it was Schwartz, Schwartz yeah. who's been outstanding this entire playoffs. Yep. They had to hold on to that 2 0 lead. Mm-hmm. Game 2 is going to be huge for them. If they come out like they did in Game 1 and can hold that lead to all new series, they want any shot at winning this series, they must win Game 2. Right. Because for majority of that game, Boston outmatched St. Louis. St. Louis looked like they didn't even belong in the same life as the Bruins for the majority of that game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it comes Aside down... Aside
0: from to, the first period, it was all Bruins.
1: It was all Bruins. And, you know, and that's really, you know, and I got to say it again, you cannot afford your goaltender to have, you know, significant flaws in those moments because St. Louis hung you know, hung with the Boston Bruins in the first period and had, you know, a two nothing two to one lead at the end of the first period, I believe. And then Boston just absolutely took over the entire game. And you could say I don't like putting games on goaltenders, but you could say that a couple of those goals, the McAvoy goal and the Corrali goal, yeah. should not have been given up by Bennington. And when you look at when you look at the final score that was the difference. So you need your goaltender to play like he's played. And at the end of the day, the guy on the other end of the rink, we haven't talked about him, Tukarask, Rask, is playing out of his mind right now. And, you know, so it's a real tough challenge. I, I, I agree with you. They need to win game two. I thought they needed to win game one. And the fact that they gave up a two-goal lead is not a good sign. But they, if they come back and win game two, I agree with you. It is 100% an all-new series. The fact, uh, we're going to get into this, the whole thing with...
0: Who the Bruins and the St. Louis Blues face differently is going to come down to the defense. Uh, aside from Alex Petrangelo and Joel Edmondson and you know Colton Pareko, the Bruins' defense is just top notch, filled with experience. You look at a guy like Sadio Chara. Yeah. You look at Tory Krug. You look at uh, Patrice Bergeron. Patrice Bergeron. Brad Marchand.
1: They ha-
0: their experience level is through Tuukka Rask has been there before. Yeah. Was a backup watched
1: Tim Thomas do it, mm-hmm. inherited that role. Lost in 2013, he tasted the victory of, uh, yeah, he tasted defeat, you yeah. know, so he's Should, been
0: there. Jordan Binnington has, hasn't even come close to that. Mm-hmm. It's it's absurd. And I think the Bruins, at the end of the day, they have the more experience on the forwards, more experience on the defense, and especially behind the bench. Yeah. The head coaching is going to play huge. Craig Ruby didn't even have a full season
1: with this team. Craig Ruby spent time with the Flyers. and And how dysfunctional they've been. Yeah. You know, so... I mean, I think a lot of the credit does, does deserve to go to Craig Berube, you know, in that respect. And I think a lot of credit deserves uh, to go to Jordan Bennington as well. But at the end of the day, how long can you ride the wave? And it was the same thing with Vegas last year. You know, they rode the wave through the Western Conference fairly easily. But once they got to the Stanley Cup Final, and once they got to the Washington Capitals, their flaws were exposed. And that's a very similar sign I'm seeing in this series. So don't, I agree with you. Don't be surprised if this series is over in five or six games. I don't expect it to go the distance.
0: I do not expect it to go seven games. Yeah. Um, the, way that the, the way that the Blues came out, I'm like, all right, this is it. They have a 2-0 series lead. They're going to do this. They're going to upset the Bruins. Game one, TD Gardner, what could be better? Mm. <laughs> well, yeah. They just blew away a two-goal lead. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you saw what the Bruins can do. They shook off all that rust. The Blues have to make adjustments. And I think one of the adjustments they have to make is sacrificing the defense for attempting more shots on goal. Mm-hmm. They had 20 shots on goal. And Stanley find it, like, it's kind of, like a final against Tuka Rask, and against guess that good Bruins defense, and let alone the right. Bruins have a very good two-way system. Once the Bruins take a lead, they're not, it's almost over. Mm-hmm. It's almost over. Yeah. Bruins in the third period with the lead, game over. They have to adjust. They have to take more shots. They have to hold the lead. because Especially 20 shots on goal. He made 18 saves. He can do that while he's sleeping. mm mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. They it's have to take more enough. shots. It's not enough on Tuukka and you can't look back and say, woulda, shoulda, coulda, you know? You know, taking more shots, and I think that it's just all getting shots on net, and some of them will go, and you saw it last night, you know, two, two goals in quick succession against Tuukka You know, if you keep getting shots on goal, you don't know how many times that could happen. So I think that's a very key factor, and I think another key factor is... Limit the penalties. I don't know off the top of my head how many penalties the Blues took last night, but I think it was like five or six. And, you know, although although they got burned once or twice, you know, that's still not a habit you want to get into against the Boston Bruins because you just mentioned how good they are on the back end, how good they are with their goaltending, how good they are, they are up front. They are deadly on the power yeah. play. And, you know, you look at Brad Marchand who's heckling, you know, in front of the net, Patrice Bergeron who can win faceoffs on a dime, Charlie McAvoy and Zdeno Charo with that big shot. That is a recipe for disaster. You cannot afford to take Penalties. If you're the St. Louis Blues, you're gonna have no chance. You know. Let's get on to the a play that had been very controversial.
0: In game one, the hit on Tor, the hit from Tory Krug, mm-hmm. was it a charge? Was it not a charge? I say no. I say no because the replay. Sh- it seemed to me, he was he he was stopped. Mm-hmm. He was not continuing skating as he hit. I don't
1: know. He was making movie. an attempt to stop. Yes, I saw that too. I agree. I uh,
0: I the way that they say it. It's a Stanley Cup final. Regular season, that's a charge, 100%. Mm. Round one, round two, uh, flip yeah. of a coin, definitely not in the
1: Stanley Cup final. And that could switch the momentum of a game, and yes. you know, if the game ends up switching because of that one And I penalty, believe
0: the Bruins know. had the lead at the time that penalty was taken. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. I believe they had the lead. I believe they did. Yeah. If that's a power play for St. Louis, they could that tie could that That could change game the up.
1: entire game. You know, And, and then, that goes
0: back to the Cody Eakin play that happened with uh, yeah. Vegas and San Jose. Absolutely. I don't think that was a charge from last night's game. Mm-hmm. Now, he will certainly have a hearing for it, I would assume. Yeah. Um,
1: I don't think it's suspension, though.
0: Is uh, there going to be retaliation from the Blues in game number two? To, pre- to send a message early, I don't know who their tough guy is on the Blues. Uh, I think it's Chris Thorborn. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, <laughs> my yeah, I, I, I <laughs> Um
1: But yeah, I, I think that they do want to come out physical in game number two. But you don't want to become reckless, and it goes back to what I said before about giving up the man advantage. You take a boarding penalty, you take a charging penalty, you take an interference penalty because you're trying to be too aggressive and set the tone, and you end up losing. You know, like losing the lead. That that's not a good scenario for the St. Louis Blues. I think that you want to come out physical. You want to establish the forecheck, and I think one thing that the Boston, Boston Bruins do exceptionally well is that they forecheck well. And I think that's a very similar matchup. You know, in those respects between these two teams. So I think St. Louis has to come out. They have to out check the Boston Bruins and they have to get chances because you saw last night in that first period when they got their chances they buried them Uh, Tarasenko and then Schwartz like you mentioned so it's all about getting more shots on that it's all about establishing that forecheck it's all about establishing that physical game because Boston's going to come at you and they are going to be physical and if you don't counteract that you're going to get run all over, and you saw that in Game
0: 1. One of the impending free agents on the Islanders, Brock Nelson, brand new, six-year, $6 million per year, new deal with the Islanders. It was a no-brainer for Lou yep. Uh Next stop has got to be Andrews Lee. I uh, heard the talks were ongoing. Leads you to believe Jordan Everly has gone a free agency, rightfully so. Monster postseason is going to be asking for way more than what Brock Nelson got and I say it's a no only because of this. And Liam, you know this for the penalty box. I was very hard on, on, on Brock Nelson for what seemed like forever. Mm-hmm. And I think getting in the very trot system has really turned him around. And 53 points from your second-line center, you would almost take that in a heartbeat if you're any other team... Look at the free agent market. There's not that many centers out there for free agency, besides from Matthew Shane, besides from Brock Nelson, and besides from Kevin Hayes. Mm-hmm. This was a no-brainer for the Islanders. Yes, they have Otto Coivola in Bridgeport. Ontario Thilpula is a free agent. But you need production from your second-line center. And you need a guy behind that, Barzell, who was dormant for what seemed like in the first round of the playoffs, besides from getting assists, to score goals. And that's what Brock Nelson did in the first round against Pittsburgh. And I think this was a no-brainer. It was a good deal, good term. Not that said sense on the free market. He was going to get way more. It was free agency. six years,
1: thirty-six million.
0: Right? Six years, six million per year.
1: Six million per year. Okay.
0: And he was going to get way more in free agency than what he got here. It was a no-brainer for the Islanders. Uh,
1: you know, well, I mean, I'm going to disagree, and I normally don't disagree with you on the podcast, and you know, and I think it maybe you know, creates for better content, but I don't like this deal at all. I think that if you look what Brock Nelson was prior to this year, and you know better than I do, yeah. you're a diehard Islander fan, yeah. and you were very hard on him, yeah. you know, so you know that lack of production. 53 points is excellent, but can you bank on him to do that next year? Yeah. And you know, is s- this guy a third-line center, or better yet, is this guy nothing more than what Franz Nielsen was? And you could say that the Islanders made a good decision not signing Franz Nielsen. You know, He hasn't really blown up in, in <laughs> Detroit you know, necessarily, I don't know about this. I think that if you take that money back, I think you're better off offering Kevin Hayes six million dollars on the on the you know, on the market. To be honest, yeah, you know, you know, I you know? was leading, Obviously, but what you said about Barry Trotz's system and how he's played better does make sense. I didn't really take that into uh, obviously. I was putting that into consideration
0: as well by saying, well. Obviously, before they signed Nelson, I'm like, if Nelson does go, they they have to replace him with a center, obviously. And right. you want to get a guy that has experience because this team will be com- will be competing next year for the Stanley Cup again. And you don't want to throw in the guy from Bridgeport, like Arnold Coivola, into the mix. You're probably not going to re-sign Valtteri Filippola because he's old. The only two guys that would make sense, really, Duchesne's going to ask for a lot of money, is between Nelson and like Kevin Hayes. Right. And I think Lula Morillo saw what Brock Nelson did He had a chance to negotiate early because he's property of the Islanders. And, yes, what you mentioned scares me. I'm afraid he's going to go back to the old Brock Nelson. But keep in mind, the old Brock Nelson scored 20 goals. He has, he's been a consistent 20 goal scorer for his entire career in the NHL right. what I didn't like about it was the way he handled himself away from the puck he was invisible most of the time I didn't even notice he was out there unless, they would, unless I would see a goal and see 29 behind the puck right. I would be like hey he scored this year he was very noticeable he was fast he was physical he was a two way forward he was, he was especially on the uh, uh, secondary scoring as well like the assists which he did into a lot of in his previous career that scares me but I think Barry Trotz will not happen again. You I mean, Look at you. Barry Trotz turned a guy like Lars Eller from a guy that had a high ceiling traded to Washington and made him a top six forward. Lars Eller who was a healthy scratch in Montreal. I think it goes a long way. And I think he did it with a lot of players. I think he changed the way Barzell plays. He's back to a two-way style which I like. Mm-hmm. He changed the way Brock Nelson played. He changed the way Andrews Lee played who we'll get to in a second. But was the price a little steep? You may say so, but you have to think about it this way. He would have gotten way more on the open market in agency. Kevin Hayes would have asked for way more than what Brock Nelson got. Mm-hmm. Do you want to pay Kevin Hayes seven million, Matt Shade eight million, or Brock Nelson six million?
1: Yeah, I think you take Brock Nelson. I mean, well, I think that the Islanders, or Lula Morello for that matter, made this decision based on what he knows. And what he knows is the type of player that, um, what he knows is what the type of player that Brock Nelson is and what he can do on the ice. And I think, you know, it's a familiarity thing. But the thing with me with the Islanders is I think they needed change heading into this offseason. I think that they, you know, they found themselves a nice core that they can work around The excellent system, good defensive prospects, great players up front, young players up front. But they had an opportunity here to not overpay a player that's been with them for a long time and that has only produced this year and maybe go out and maybe do something, you know, out, you know, out, out of the ordinary, you know. Why don't why don't you give Duchesne that eight million, that nine million? Because if you ask me, I don't think that there's going to be a lot of teams buying for Matt Duchesne. I think it's going to be the Columbus. Blue I think this yeah. And that's really that's really about it. I you think know, Ottawa lots. maybe uh, Nashville might goes after Duchesne. I think that's where he ends yeah, up. Na- yeah, Nashville as well. But I think if you're the Islanders, you need a change. And look, you're losing one of your best goal scorers in the offseason, Jordan Eberle, if he doesn't re-sign. And you could say... No, that but we knew that coming into the year, too. Right, two. no, definitely. We knew he was likely
0: going to leave. Right. And I think Lavarillo knows that. Mm-hmm. And he always has a plan B. You saw the plan B this year. His plan B this year was to not getting... We're not bringing back Yaro Halak was Robin Letter, and it turned out that Plan B was now a Plan A plus
1: And that was a because of book. how well he was, and Definitely. again,
0: he's a free agent. And do you overpay for Robin Letter? I think he's going to ask for at least four million a year. I would trip to God I say you give him a four year max contract, not nothing, five, six, seven years, uh, a a four year deal. And I think he he offers Matt share a contract. If he says no, I highly believe his Plan B is with Henry Penarin. You saw in the Carolina series, they did not score many goals. Oh. That defense shut them down. Right. And you have to think, on that power play, they lost one nothing to Carolina in overtime in game one. Does a guy like Artie Panarin change that? Maybe. Does a guy like Matthew Shane change that? Maybe, for the power play. I think his two options in the offseason are going to be A, Matt Duchesne, B, or or even Joe Thornton, who could potentially be taking less money. I don't think San Jose wants to keep him,
1: I don't, to be honest Joe with you. Joe Thornton did come out in an interview yesterday, and he said that he's playing for San Jose and no other team. Right. So, if he does come back to you know play for another team. it year, will be for the Sharks, but I don't think he's coming back, if you ask me. but
0: I think his options... You could bring back Tari yeah. Absolutely. but I think the top two options he should be focusing on right now are obviously the two but biggest fish in the market, even Eric Carlson. Yikes. So it's a big free agent class this year, which we didn't even think we would have. And I think his two options have got. I don't think they make a run at Carlson. I think their defense is set. I think the wild card, which could be a sleeper, is Jeff Skinner. Because mm. he was looked to the Islanders forever. He's not going back to Buffalo. I If you ask me in November when they won that miraculous 10-game race week, I say, he's going back to Buffalo, no question. He does not – maybe Carolina brings him back. Who knows? But I think
1: Panarin been. or Duchesne will be Islanders, either one of them, hopefully. Well, you know, and that's the thing for me because you still have you're, – yes, you're not re-signing Jordan Eberle. And at the end of the day – With the crunch that you had, you know, it was a difficult move. You want to increase that center depth by signing both Nelson and Lee. But if you sign Nelson and Lee, do you have enough money? Do you have enough cap space to potentially go and and sign, you know, uh, Artemi Panarin? Because you look at these guys, Artemi Panarin is going to command, what, $10, $11 million? And to say that the Rangers won't pay Artemi Panarin $11 million is absurd. They will. Florida will pay Artemi Panarin yeah, $11 million dollars, and I don't know if the Islanders have that money. And it comes back to that one main thing, you know, is going signing Brock Nelson going to come back and bite the Islanders because, you know, you're gonna wish you had that six million a year cap. I don't think it sign. will only
0: because stars. I think now that they're run by Lou Laborello, I think he knows right now who his main target is. Do you think he, there's any chance they don't sign Anders Lee? I think they signed Andrews Lee. I think they do. I don't think they signed Everly. I think they re signed Brock Nelson. I'm sorry, Robin Leonard. Now, how much of a cap hit is Everly making? Do you know where Everly right now he's making yeah. five million, I believe. Alright, so you have so five million in cap space. Maybe he's going to ask for seven right, yeah. in mm-hmm. the open market. Definitely. And he let go of Valtari Felpola who
1: was making one million. million. Yeah, one million. And then, yeah, I mean, you got to ask yourself you have that $6 million. He let
0: go of Seidenberg, who was making below, you know, below 1000
1: Yeah, so... You know, I mean, it, there is an opportunity to free up the cap. Lucas Spies was making a million dollars. Yeah, you, so you they're. Know. I did play a game this year, so <laughs> there are contracts coming off the books for the Islanders, and they certainly have the opportunity. I just think, look, I think Jeff Skinner is the right guy for them. You know, oh, I no, mean, personally, I agree, and I don't think they're gonna have enough. They have enough or centers. Or for, they, they don't know. have
0: enough wingers. Yeah, and I, I listen. People have a killer Josh Bailey. He's going to be getting top six minutes regardless, and he was great he in the playoffs. He was great in the
1: playoffs, he was.
0: And I think that's all you can ask for. And he gave us what we asked for 50-plus points. Right. That's remarkable. Yeah, And I think they have a lot of questions to be answered in the offseason. We'll be sitting here sometime in, in July with an idea of what will be happening with the state of the Islanders and the Peng- uh, and the But Before we do that, we're going to uh, call in Corey Picard, who is our guest on the Sensational Sports Trio. Uh, he's always been great to us with the trio. He's a big Bruin fan. Uh, so we're going to get his take on the state of the Bruins. And uh, he actually joins us right now. So, Corey, welcome to the Penalty Box. This is your first episode with us. Uh, long time, though, talk. I haven't spoken to you since the school year ended, but your boss Boston Bruins, Game 1 winners. What do you take going into Game 2? And I think the Bruins in five games. Corey? Hey, I lost you first time. Corey, how are you? Uh, Welcome back, and uh, your Bruins with a big time game one. W- what's your prediction here for the Bruins?
1: Um, I'm hoping uh, they make short work of the Blues. Um, I, I think they'll be bigger competition than the Hurricanes. I'm see, I hope they win. I'm saying five or six games it goes, mm-hmm. but I think the Bruins are the better team. I think they proved that last night. The shots on goal yeah. margin was about thirty to twenty. Yeah. And, and it was like 38 to 20 or something like that. So
0: I think the Bruins, the front line in the offense is a lot better, and I think they'll prove that throughout the series. Yeah, uh, I mean, Corey, before we get to the, uh, before we get to the sports trio. What has been going through your mind right now? I mean, the Red Sox won the World Series back in October. I I know you're not a Patriot fan, but the Patriots won the you know the Super Bowl back in February. This could be the third major sports championships out of the four major ones that will be won by one city in Boston. Which I think the Bruins will end up winning this series. I mean, what a crazy time for the city of Boston. I know you're from Connecticut, but to see the Red Sox and the Bruins do this, I mean, only does the Dolphins do it next year, and then your life will be complete.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, they called it Titletown before this year, but it's really proven it this year. It's, it's just crazy. I mean, I'm not a Patriots fan, obviously, but just to have three teams in a row from Boston,
0: yeah.
1: it's, re- it's really impressive. And I think they've built the teams. Obviously, the Red Sox and Patriots and Bruins are all the best teams in the league if the Bruins can finish this out. They've earned it. It's just crazy and coincidental, really, because they aren't related in any way, but it's great for the city. Again,
0: I'm not a Patriots fan, but I'm happy about the Red Sox, and I'm happy about the Bruins so far. Hopefully he think it. Well, that'll wrap this up on the Pelly Box podcast. Corey will stay with us. We'll be uh, back in 30 seconds, probably less, for the sports trio. We'll a lot to talk about the Raptors, uh, which I've jumped on there man, well, a little bit, but we'll talk about later on. Uh, so Will Pesic, Liam Godiver, and Corey Picard, thank you for a quick two minutes about the Bruins, and uh, we'll be back with the sensational sports trio.